Chad. Hey, Cameron. It's Opinions Are Cheap with Cameron and Chad. Wow. And today, it's actually, it's a very different kind of day. Yeah, it is. we have a special episode. Yeah? Yeah. What is it? Uh, let me check real quick. Um, what day is it? Uh, today, boy, oh boy, um, National Margarita Day. It's Margarita Day. We have margaritas. I What's your favorite margarita? Um, I guess just like a regular one. I mean, you know, it's actually hard to argue because I, I want to find like a weird, stupid, like novelty margarita, but those are never as good as just like a proper one, are they? No. And I also, um, you need it either on, on the rocks, the blended stuff. I hate you don't, I don't like the slushy margaritas. Oh yeah. Awful. I, the, the slushies don't work. <laughs> the, uh. I mean, you need the salt around there, and, and I haven't had a proper margarita in a really long time, and I kind of want one now. My my issue is I don't like mixing liquors anymore because I get hungover as fuck, and so I'm only ever going to have a margarita at, like, a restaurant, and it's going to get me tipsy as shit, and I'm going to want to come home and have more, and I'm stuck with bourbon, and I'm like, wow, mixing tequila and, and like, high-end whiskey is going to give me the vomits. I can't do it. I suppose I could just have more willpower or self-control, but that shit's hard. Okay. Okay, I remember now my favorite margarita. Okay. And this is this is going to make me sound so, like, garbage. Uh, you go to Applebee's during Shark Week that you can get the tipsy shark. Oh, and it's probably only, like, a buck ninety-nine. Uh, no, I think it's normally a little more than that. <laughs> okay. I think that's, like, one of their more, like, Four dollar ones. Oh uh, well, well, admittedly, inflation. Like the last time I was at an Applebee's, I think I was in college, and so they would they, do. Well, I mean, they they do they do specials too. I, I they still have like a dollar margarita festival or something. It wouldn't surprise me. Okay, I remember their Long Island's being ridiculously cheap, and for whatever reason, it's like every restaurant in the on Alaska area had this code of ethics they had to follow about how much booze they could put in their drinks. And Applebee's was like, nah, fuck that. You're coming here to get hammered. You're a college kid. How many appetizers do you want with your six Long Island iced teas? Sometimes it was okay when life was simpler. I'm like weirdly nostalgic for this now. I kind of want to go to Applebee's and get drunk. They also got, okay, I like their Blue Aloha. Um, They have a red sangria. Yeah, I'm looking at their menu and all this stuff costs more than I feel like it should. Oh, when did that happen? Um, I'm assuming in the past couple of years when uh when COVID pricing kind of like caught up. Yeah. But they do have a uh they they have a rum version with Captain Morgan called a Shark Bowl, and that has two gummy sharks on it instead of just the one from the margarita. Well, damn. How much is a burger at Applebee's? Holy fuck, why do these have That's so many calories in it? I assume it's the sugar. Whiskey bacon burger has 1,600 calories. That is way too many. Um, yeah, actually, what? I mean, what the fuck? Is that including, like, the fries I, and stuff, It must too? be. Also, it's not giving me a dollar amount. It just says zero dollars, which is... Served with fries. Fuck you. Classic. That's $16 here. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's not giving me a dollar. With fries. 
What the shit, Applebee's? Okay, what if I change the phrase? Okay, the phrase are 400, so what if I pick nothing? Can I remove the phrase? No site. Um, it won't let me... Okay, burger patty. I want a beef patty. Uh, burger bun. I want a... Uh, I want a lettuce wrap. Uh, entree side. I want nothing. I hate their website. I just want to see what this is. Okay. Please select burger temperature. I'm not using the website anymore. I'm closing this tab. It's um, $14.29 for the whiskey bacon burger. And then $13.29 for the just regular bacon cheeseburger. Which only has 1,300 calories, which is a lot less. Well, it's only 300 less. But still, that's a, that's a decent amount. Classic burger, eleven twenty nine. That's not bad. Like, isn't a Big Mac now like ten dollars or twelve dollars? I'm not sure. Let me see. Big Mac. How much is that shit? That's. Oh, this is from two years ago. McDonald's.com. I like the idea of doing a really fancy event and catering Applebee's. I wonder what that would be like. I feel like people shit on Applebee's a lot, and I don't know if it's worth, or at least they used to. I don't know if people talk about Applebee's anymore. I, I, I never hated it the place. It was a joke, but like that, it was fine. And I, I think at a point, it, the food wasn't even that like unreasonably expensive. So you're getting what you paid for. Yeah. And then, uh, market has just shifted around enough where I, I don't even know where anything lies anymore. I, I don't go to chain restaurants. I think my favorite joke was uh, an American Dad bit. They uh, they 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 wanted to um, take Stan somewhere where he could kill somebody because he'd never killed someone before. And so they figure, well, let's go to like a depressing bar, and we just find someone that's like suicidal anyway, so we won't feel guilty about it. And so they found this like really depressing bar, and they they take Stan there, and Stan's like, "What is this place?" And it's like like. Uh, is like, oh, you'll never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. Uh, it, it's it's kind of like an Applebee's, except they have a bar. It, well, actually, no, Applebee's sells drinks, too. So, yeah, it's, it's basically an Applebee's, and I just walked them in. Uh, and it, it was funny, but it was also kind of like, I almost wonder if it would have been funny to just take him to an Applebee's, but the setup of that joke made it better, because there was like a misdirection and a jab, and then they moved away from it. And it, yeah. it's it, as much as I like that because it's a funny Applebee's joke. I also hold on to that as a reminder of how to correctly structure a joke. Yeah. There's an art to it. I, I will say like the price of a burger at Applebee's versus like a nicer restaurant, like the one, at the which I don't know if we ever took you to that one. Um, no, it never worked out. I'm not going to pay that much more at the nice restaurant and their their food is going to be better. But I don't know, maybe every once in a while Applebee's hits. I kind of just I kind of want one of their Long Islands. I remember them having really good Long Islands and I wonder if the recipe is still the same, you know, a decade later. Okay, so this entire time we've been talking, I've been trying to find how much a Big Mac costs. It's 7.69. Okay. Uh 590 calories. That is way less than the uh, regular burger at Applebee's in terms of calories. And also, 
in terms of money too, it's like four dollars less. No, does that Big Mac include it fries though? Because I'm pretty sure that that hamburger. No. Okay. So it is that's, about the that's same. That's just for the sandwich. Yeah, eleven twenty nine for a cheeseburger, but it looks like you get fries with it. I hope I hope everybody that listens to this show is now gone because we just spent the first ten minutes basically talking about Applebee's. Are we recording? Yeah. What the fuck? Why? Why did we do this? Uh, well, we're at least we're not sponsored by Applebee's because we would lose the sponsorship. Yeah, that'd be bad. It'd be a little funny though. Uh oh, speaking uh so I, I was uh I was watching random stuff on YouTube and one of the things that was recommended was a hobby channel for miniatures. And it was uh this guy's recommendation for uh storage and uh, like carrying cases, right? But it was like current, like he just did it a month ago. And I bought a case for my Warhammer minis, but it's kind of big and it's like I kinda want something that's smaller for when I don't need the big one. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, oh, okay, I wonder what the current options are, because the company that I liked uh, actually went out of business with COVID. So it's like, oh, great. Uh, so I, I click on this video, and the, you, you, you've seen these videos. They're always the same, where it's just like, hey, it's, hey, hey gamers, here's the thing. Here's the, the, the mega uh, tactics box, and it's $300, and it looks like all the other boxes. And here's this one. It's also $300. It looks like all the other boxes. And so it's like, whatever. So I, I click on this video, and his first recommendation was you go to Walmart and you get this baking tray because it's metal, so your magnetized pieces will stick to it. But this one comes with a lid, so you can put a lid on it. And it's like, you know, $10. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, that, yeah, that's the stuff I'm looking for. It's like, well, here's this thing. It's a, it's a metal like office thing designed for paper and the little shelves slide out but it's all metal and the dimensions fit into this one specific model of like miniature like bag so like between the the office thing and the bag the total is fifty dollars and there's room for you to like stack your books on top of it too because it's a sturdy metal thing and it's like, wow, he's actually giving like practical advice that a human being can use, and I really appreciated that. I like that. I um, if I remember, I might even, I'll, I'll link to that in the description just because I want to share uh, good stuff like that from the Gaming Geek on YouTube. There you go. I, see, I always like Midwinter Minis because when he does things like quickly or cost effectively, it's true. Like that is his whole thing is he's like, I'm a yeah. DIY hobbier and this is how I get good results for not a lot of money. Festival foods. He's similarly realistic. And as much as he can have fun with like high end stuff, he also acknowledges and appreciates uh, more practical things too. I like that. I don't know. What have you been up to? I finished uh attack on titan that anime i've been watching for what feels like a while now it is like 90 episodes so it probably has been a while and i've done two updates and kind of talked about my my experience with that so i feel like this could be like the final one uh major spoilers i imagine because i don't know like if i talk into the weeds about this show if you haven't watched it you will think i'm fucking insane because there's just a lot of lore and a lot of plot and a lot of intricate things that come together so I want to go kind of high level just because I don't think you'll care or most people will. But 
I really enjoyed the ending. I think it's it's one of those things where you go on for almost 100 episodes. You have a story that is, like, obtuse and intricate and very, I would say, like, misanthropic. It is a very unhappy show from start to finish. And so it's like, how do you end something like that that's satisfying? Because you can't give them a happy ending. And it definitely doesn't fucking give anybody a happy ending. But it still has to be, like, worth the journey. And so I think there's an interesting, like, you know, writing exercise to think about just on that front, right? Like, how do you take something like this and, and make it good uh, without betraying your your vision or your themes or your, you know, character motifs? It's like, how, how does Game of Thrones realistically end? Like, we kind of know because the show ended. I have a feeling Martin's going to do broad strokes the same thing, but build it a little differently. And people were really mad about the ending to Game of Thrones. Mostly in a cinema... A lot of it was like that cinema sin style nitpicking, right? So I think that those people are going to hate the book ending if it ever happens, regardless, just because it's not happy. You know, good characters become bad characters, and characters you like die. And this is the same thing with here. With, uh, with Attack on Titan. Um, do you know anything about, like, other than season one of Attack on Titan and then stuff I've told you? Oh, boy. I know, um, I know in Fortnite there was a weapon I could get where it shot, like, a giant rail. Oh, the Thunder Spears. That's cool. Thunder Spears. Yeah, I was getting pretty good with those. So as the, the show goes on, Aaron, the main character, goes from like this kind of plucky anime protagonist who's going to kill all the Titans and avenge his mom and his dad, and he's really mad, and he's very uh, kind of stupid, but headstrong. The more he gets like warped, the more he, he, turns into, he turns into a villain, and by the end, he's got a lot of extra Titan power, the ability to control Titans, and... Just a level of seething hatred for the entire planet that he he starts off, or he sets off basically a weapon of mass destruction. That is, all of the all of the titans are gonna just march and kill everybody. And so, the show is really about his like de evolution as a character, going from someone with really like noble pursuits, but with a kind of dark mean streak to him. To he's nothing more than the dark mean streak, and he doesn't know what else to do other than just try to kind of genocide the planet. And so his friends who've been with him along the whole time have to kind of come to this conclusion that, oh shit, the only people who can stop this guy is us. We have to kill our best friend. And so that is the last, let's say, 10 episodes is kind of a lot of that. Because most of season four, at least the back half of it, you're, you're hoping Aaron's going to turn something around, that he's got a plan up his sleeve that isn't just straight up, no, I want to kill everybody, because I I, that's the only solution in my mind. And uh, that's not the case. That is literally his only solution. And he ends up kind of having this conversation um, with one of his friends who's just like, I'm, a, I'm an idiot who's been given so much power that I have no idea how to control it, and this is the only option that I see. It, it for me and it's such an interesting like take on the shonen thing because there's so many like goku is super strong and he can blow up planets or like ichigo from bleach gets really strong and for all i know can blow up planets uh yusuke from yu Hakusho turns he's got some demon powers and he can shoot these giant energy beams that probably can't blow up a planet but could do some goddamn damage to one 
And you have these characters that are young and headstrong and they, they really want to do what is right. And they're given a ridiculous amount of power. And it always works out. And uh, this, this Attack on Titan is like, nah, man, that shit would power corrupts regardless of your intentions. And if you have enough PTSD, <laughs> you can't make logical decisions anymore. So it's really, it was really interesting. In a satisfying way, interesting? Or like, oh, I didn't expect that. Uh, a bit of both. But maybe it wasn't satisfying. I, I actually thought the ending was fairly satisfying. There's Okay, good. There's been a lot of like circular motifs and logic to Attack on Titan. Um, or characters that have, you know, counterpoints. And so, like, Eren becomes his own counterpoint. Uh, the Titan destroys the walls at, when he's younger and his mom dies and a lot of people die. And fast forward to he's an adult and uh, seen some shit and is having a bad time. And he does the same thing to another city. Turns into a Titan and he just goes ham on it and he fucking just slaughters a bunch of people and, and you know, becomes the thing he hates. And a lot, like I said, this this is kind of this ongoing thing for these main characters. Like, oh, I like this guy, and you realize that person has an equivalent on the other side of the aisle. You know, the the villain characters, and you spend enough time with all the heroes and all the villains to realize that the only real villain is Aaron. Um, and some of the dictatorship stuff of Marley, obviously bad, but everyone has like. A, enough internal logic to explain why and how they're acting that they they all feel very complex there's not just like you know frieza going around and killing people because it's fun and and so it, that like the because we spend so much time with all of these you know disparate characters you really get to you know this feel for kind of everybody and you feel bad for everybody and it's I don't know. I think it's a really special show because because of just how it's handling its cast and its themes. But then its themes always come back to just like, man, humans fucking suck and like to kill each other. And it doesn't really elevate much more than that. And so there is a certain level of emptiness where you're seeing all this carnage and all this horror and there's no there's no answer for it. It's just sort of like, nah, shit happens. Enjoy being human. <laughs> So I think I think from a thematic standpoint, it's a little bit hollow, but from like a character standpoint, a spectacle standpoint, I think it does a really good job of of setting up to do it what it did. So, I guess okay, I I don't know what systems you like, but would you give it like a score? Um, or like a recommendation? I guess I would recommend it. With the caveat that, like, season one has some very anime shonen shit I didn't really care for. It wasn't as bad on my rewatch because I knew to expect it. Um, so there's there's early episodes that are a little frustrating because of just the characters feel very anime characters. But after that, I feel like it really kind of just keeps climbing. Season three dips a little in quality when it starts playing with some of the uh, weirder shit going on. And my gut reaction to a lot of the Titan stuff and the like bloodline stuff, and it turns out the characters behind the walls are uh, kind of like a, a, an ethnicity almost, and that's why the Titan stuff is happening to them. And you're just like, oh, I don't know, some of this is a little weird. I get why people kind of were red flagging a few things um, when it was coming out. But ultimately, 
it I think is very smart with everything it's doing. Like I would probably give this show like a nine out of ten, like as a, a complete package. I think it was really, really good. Okay, well, good. I the way that you talked in text earlier, um, I was kind of picking up a vibe that maybe you weren't as satisfied. There, it's one of those things where there's nitpicks about certain characters or certain like subplots that maybe don't get resolved as well as they should. Um. But I, I don't know if that's, like, the worst thing in the world. I mean, you have a 90-episode show with, like, a lot of characters. And, you know, one or two getting maybe a little sidelined because there's just only so much space. It's it's kind of bound to happen. I think my biggest complaint is largely that after all the all is said and done, all this, like, the show is really misanthropic. It's really bleak. And the only moment towards, towards the end is, like, Armin has a conversation with zeke about kind of the state of things right now and they talk about like those little things in their lives that made them super happy uh like zeke playing catch with his friend for hours and just you know he was kind of born to play catch for an hour with his friend that day because it was the best moment of his life and appreciating those little things that don't mean anything to anybody but you and it was really poignant and it kind of fit the 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 mood and the con, you know, contrasted with what was going on really well. But ultimately when you have a show where 80% of the planet dies by the end and the takeaway is like, appreciate the little things, I guess. Uh, good luck. It's like, Oh, I, I was kind of hoping we'd, we'd have a, something a little more than that. And maybe that's an unfair expectation. I'm trying to like compare it to, other shonen I really like. Steven Universe. Yeah, Steven Universe is... Actually, God, it's been a bit since I've seen Steven Universe, but there is probably a really interesting comparison chart because he, he gets some pretty interesting powers and is basically a anime protagonist. He just sings his way out of a lot of problems. I I feel like people didn't like that, uh, that weird, like, tacked-on extra season, but I did. I don't think I watched it. And one it. of the things I really liked about it was like him falling apart. I, did you ever see it? No, I, I swear to God you told me it wasn't worth watching. I I want did I? I feel like I remember good things about it. Maybe maybe I didn't recommend it to you personally. Okay. I I think um I think there's things there maybe there's a couple episodes that kind of drag, but like the 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 arc of it. I kind of liked, and the finale specifically. Uh, people joke about how, like, it, it's a like Stephen turns into a monster. It's like he loses control, and then everybody hugs him, and he feels better. And it's like it's almost like a parody of what people complain about Stephen Universe. But it's like if you actually watch it in the context of everything, it's actually very good. <laughs> I, I I think it sounds silly for me to like summarize it that tersely. Yeah, and that's its own thing, right? When people talk about, you know, if someone sums up a long-running show in 30 seconds, it's hard. You you're, you can't do it justice. I can I can foresee I like Steven having that kind of arc. I mean, he goes through a lot of shit, and you, you can't well, and, go through that. And that, that arc that. is about him dealing with that. Exactly. I think that's one of the things that Attack on Titan was, was like, like Goku never has it, uh, an element of, like, man... I'm traumatized by all the stuff I just saw or did. 
because he's Goku and he doesn't, you know, his mind just doesn't work that way. But that's that's not normal. And so when Aaron suffers all this shit and really regresses from it because he, he needs a fucking therapist not to have more pressure thrown on him. Like, oh man, we killed all the Titans here, but it turns out there's a another city of humans across the ocean and they really want to nuke us or, you know, blow us up. They don't have nukes, but they, they don't like us. So now we have to do something about them. So congratulations on, you know, kind of solving the Titan problem a little bit, but actually you didn't. The Titan problem just got way more complicated because it's now a socio-political problem. And it's like, what, what is he supposed to do? He's a fucking moron. And, it, you know, that kind of shit, like, really degrades him over time. And Goku would be like, I just want to eat and fight Frieza. Which, you know, can't, can't knock the man for I that. I like, uh, there's one sequence in, I want to say it was the first episode of uh, Steven Universe Future, where uh, he has... Uh, like one of the, you know how like the the gems could get like corrupted, and that's why they were monsters. But he figured out how to like heal them. Yeah. So the the episode opens like the really that like season or series, whatever you want to call it. It opens with the sequence of him kind of like humming to himself while he walks inside, and it's just him like walking through the house, and he makes his way to the bathroom, and he goes to the sink, and they have the like he has his like healing water in the sink, and he has this just like it's like a a process of it's like a standard thing where when they get a corrupted gem, he brings it here. Um, he heals it and it comes back and it's like, okay, look, you're healed. And, and they have like a program for rehabilitating, uh, gems. And that's how they kind of introduce like where they're at, at the time. Uh, later in the series, there's a part where Jasper shows up and she's still like vengeful about everything. And, it's like I don't remember how, but somehow she tracks down Steven when he's alone and basically attacks him. Oh, I have to do that. And he's defending himself, but he he's like gets so frustrated he ends up like not pulling his punches and actually shatters her to death. Oh wow. And yeah. And then it cuts back and it's shot for shot the same as that first sequence from the first episode. Just that now it's night and it's super tense, like music, but it's the same like camera angles and it's him like running through the house and taking like her pieces to that and like hoping that he can reassemble her. And he's like crying and like and like panicking and trying to undo what he did. And it's it's very interesting when you realize that it's the same like shot for shot because it's like. He he thinks he has everything figured out and then when things get hard and maybe he doesn't have everything figured out and. It, you know, is he doing the right thing and is he responsible and is he capable and all these things are like rushing at once. And it's like, oh, you know, there, there's little moments like that where it's like, oh, this is thought out. It's not all brilliant, but <laughs> like there are moments that still stuck with me. Yeah. And that's I don't know the other like, you know, the the whole like comparing this to other shows and some of my, like one of my favorite shonen is Yu Yu Hakusho. It's, it's just a really fun Fun anime, right? But ultimately, I don't know if Yu Yu Hakusho is about that much. It's not really. You know, it, it's it's a battle <laughs> anime. They 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 do like two or three tournaments, so there's not a lot going on. And some of the more interesting parts about it are really subdued. Like in the final season, Kuwabara doesn't show up because he basically he grows up and goes to like further his education. Like he stops fighting, and he's one of the few characters 
in the in the show to do that. And it's really understated. Not even know if, if people really picked up on it, but it's like, oh, it sucks that Kubari is not in the last season. It's like, no, man, it sucks that everybody else is. Like, they're still fucking children just fighting because they don't know what else to do. And the the dumbest person in the group realized that that's not how he wants to live his life. Like, he moved on, you know? He succeeded. Meanwhile, Yusuke is just like, I don't know how to run anything. Let's just fight each other. And the winner of the fight gets to be the king. And it's like, what's that stupid as shit, you moron? It was fun. It was stupid. How would you compare Attack on Titan to Seinfeld? Um, I guess... Did... I guess Aaron would have to be Jerry just because, like, they're both the main character. And Mikasa would have to be Elaine because they're both ladies and also the main character. And they... I guess they dated a little bit. Um, George would be Armin. Uh, Kramer would have to be... Uh, let's say Connie, because he wasn't the smartest either, but he was a real bro and kind of stuck around and showed up randomly, even if he wasn't maybe needed. Uh, they're very different shows, Cameron. This is difficult. Like, Newman, I, I want to make uh, Newman a bad guy, okay. but I don't think Newman's really a bad guy. He's just kind of an asshole. You know? Yeah. I, I guess... Here, let me let me rethink where my angle on that. The reason I brought that up. I, I, I was looking up, when you mentioned that Attack on Titan was uh, odd for a shonen, I was kind of surprised because I never even thought of it as a shonen. Uh, bear in mind, I watched one episode. Uh, so I, I did a quick Google search, and I guess there's, like, actually, uh, like, conversations about, like, is this a shonen? Is this more of a shannon or whatever the other word is? I guess. And weebs on Reddit are going to talk about it. It, it is it is a shonen. But, uh, <laughs> like, it's, it's interesting that there seems to be a lot of conversation about how it does kind of buck a lot of the trends of the genre. Yeah. I think and I think that's a good thing. It, it kind of reminds me of like Batman in a way where like my favorite Batman stuff is the Batman that bucks the trends of Batman. So you need those trends in place to buck them. And so in, in a vacuum, you know, does Attack on Titan work? And the answer is probably yes, because I think the writing's fairly good. Um, but because you can contextualize it alongside other shows that are a lot more stereotypical, like these are for kids and the hero has powers and he saves the day and it's fun. It, it works more, it, you know, it elevates itself because it's playing with some of that, which is cool. I'm really curious where uh, Demon Slayer is going to end up when that ends, because ultimately Demon Slayer is kind of a typical shonen. I think some of the dialogue is written better than than a lot of others. There's there's things about it that work better, uh, but... You know, what? what is Demon Slayer really about? Because it's another, like, revenge-style story where the main character either trains really hard or gets powers. Sorry about that. I accidentally hit the space bar and stopped recording like a dum-dum. Uh, I was complaining about Demon Slayer not really being about anything. And maybe it is. I, I didn't think super critically about that show when I was watching it. But main character's a good guy is trying to avenge his family and kill demons and save his sister. And there's not much more going on other than that. Um, 
there there is because there's a big redemption element to to demon slayer and like characters become demons not because they want to but because life circumstances push them to some brink that made them bad people and it's not entirely their fault uh which is interesting right like you know the the this look at society and how society shapes people it's not just people shaping people it's a lot of their environment and factors around them so yeah it's about stuff i'm curious where it's going to end up and like what it ends up saying uh, you know and i it, it what it what its themes mean to the show right like because right now there's just kind of these running through lines but ultimately what's the resolution what's going to be the, the the thing you take home when demon slayer ends and I, I know the manga's over so i could look it up but i'm an anime person i would rather wait yeah i think i'm gonna go see the new movie tomorrow oh cool i didn't know there was one i didn't either i, I just found out when i was uh, trying to figure out where dune was ah uh. I can't tell if I'm being like incoherent tonight. Like, I think you're more coherent than I am. Oh, good. Okay, here, let me give you like a better question. Okay. Uh, okay. So you, you kind of mentioned earlier how Yu Yu Hakusho isn't like really, you know, quote unquote about anything. I like how in Inuyasha they had like a quest and all the characters that kind of formed the party, like, they don't necessarily. Uh, have a lot in common when they meet each other, but they have similar goals, and then they get to know each other more along the way, and they become friends by the end. And they, but they still have like their eyes on a goal, right? Yes. I I kind of wonder, like, do you think Attack on Titan would be interesting if it was more like a journey, and it wasn't about like you know like hiding in one city, kind of a like. We have to defend ourselves and our people or whatever. And like, what What if it was like a, a, a smaller gr- cast of characters and they're like going from city to city and it, it's like they're not they, they can't stay in the city for some reason because it's like whatever rules they, they don't get to stay there or whatever. So it's like they have to sur- survive in the wilderness and there's maybe the means to do so. But do you think that you could explore these themes and maybe touch on how like like oh i don't like how that city has a mayor that's mean but then like compare it to a different city where they run things differently and then the titans kill everybody because they didn't run it well enough and it's like oh is the evil mayor right to keep everyone out like well i don't know i don't want to go that far i think i think the answer is is you could explore a lot of the the main character elements that way um and and some of the bigger like socio-political stuff too Ultimately, though, I think the reason the show works as well as it does is because there's a giant cast of characters in a centralized location. And so you get a lot of time spent uh, building that location, building the characters, the world they lived in, the the roles they play. Whereas in Inuyasha, I mean, you have some of that, but ultimately every village is kind of just like this peasant village in feudal Japan uh, and a demon shows up and they got to kill the demon. And so it's it's a lot more simplistic, right? And I think one of the reasons I've really latched on to Attack on Titan is because it is a very complex show. And nothing ever, has, like, no decision is ever really, like, morally or ensured to be the right one. Everyone's making, like, the best choice they have off the information they have. And almost always they don't have enough information, and there are really dire consequences to the ba- to the wrong choices. 
Whereas there's not a lot of dire consequences in something like Inuyasha. Like, you know, the characters all kind of have plot armor to one degree or another. And that's fun. And I enjoy Inuyasha, but ultimately, like, the, the two shows are operating under pretty different rule sets and, and goals. I think the other, or maybe a different question to ask is, like, does something really need to be explicitly about something or obtuse and complex with a lot of themes and these character structures and whatnot to be good? Because... I'm impressed when when writing like that is there and does a good job and, and doesn't like fumble itself. But ultimately, like one of my favorite animes is Kaon, and that's just about, you know, high school girls forming a band and eating cake. You know, I I think I, I think we might have talked about this uh if it wasn't last week, maybe a couple weeks ago. I really liked the Death Stranding 2 trailer. Yeah. Because it's like, well, that's crazy. But really, it also got me like re-reflecting on how much I like the first Death Stranding. And what's funny to me is how that game is just about walking. Like the gameplay part is literally just, can you balance a backpack while you walk? Right. It's, it's a bumpy, there's rocks, be careful of the rocks. And it's it's just so strange because so much is said in that game. But it's it's also one of these things where I'll I'll see these topics online where uh I don't care, take anything, blah blah blah. There's some like obnoxious conversation going on and someone will say, I hate politics in video games, and then someone else say, Everything is political, and then someone else will say, Well, explain the politics in Pac-Man. And it's one of these things where it's like you know, sometimes Pac-Man doesn't need to be political. Right. But the thing, it, it's the same as like reading a book or looking at a painting where you can kind of, if you get something from it, then you got something from it. So if you look at Pac-Man and you get a message from it, that's fine. And you can enjoy that. And that's your read on the media. But also, if you like Pac-Man because it's an engaging uh, action game that relies on memorization and reflexes and you find that part satisfying and that's what you focus on then you don't have to engage in the political ramifications and implications of uh, whether or not strawberries are worth 400 points. Right. Ultimately, I think, at least in my experience, the more I like something, the more I want to engage with it further. Whereas if it's just kind of fun, I'm okay with that. You know, some of my favorite video games aren't really, like, about anything. It, they just They're just really fucking fun to play. Like, Orcs Must Die, I love those games. I feel like if I thought too much about the weird socio-political ramifications of how many orcs I kill in Orcs Must Die, I would actually be bummed out because it's a lot. It is it is an insane amount of dead orcs. But the game doesn't want you to do that. The game wants you to build goofy traps that fucking fling them into lava, and hell yeah, I'm gonna do that. And it's disingenuous to say something like Kaon isn't about stuff, or, or Yu Yu Hakusho isn't about stuff, because they are. It's just maybe not about the human condition in a way that like a piece of Russian literature is. Well, also, I'm really tired of people talking about Starship Troopers on Twitter. Yeah, that was uh, that was a weird piece of discourse I, for a couple weeks there, or still ongoing. I, I, I also I don't care. I I don't care. I I don't. I've never read the book. The book may or may not have a message to it, or it may or may not be fun. I've never watched the movie. 
the movie may or may not have a message to it and it may or may not be fun. I can almost guarantee half the people talking about it have are just have not watched or read it either because they're talking about such random ass things that there's no way that they know what they're talking about and it's all just become noise. Yeah. And it's like, I can't, there's no engaging here. That website doesn't work anymore on this topic of having fun. I want you to watch this video game trailer that just got announced. This is called Kingmakers. Oh, I like the like the name and the cut of its jib so far. Also, did did yeah. YouTube rearrange how it's laid out for you? No, because like all the comments are now on the side, and like the oh, other videos are on the bottom. And I don't know why? if this is something I can turn off, but I hate it. I hate. <laughs> why do they ruin everything? Why do they change it? Make everything worse. Um. But okay, I'm gonna click play and one, two, three, go. Oh, wow, it's like fourth wall breaking here a bit. Oh, shit. So, yeah, you just get like a Toyota truck and like DeLorean time travel back with your AK and shoot up these medieval armies with your gun. I feel like the uh, socio-political implications of this are kind of dire, but it's very silly and it's it looks... Oh, God, he just threw a grenade at those people. So, I I watched this video. Um, it was uh, I think it was Asmongold was for like doing a reaction to it, or someone just sent it to him without context and said, "Hey, dude, look at this trailer." And so he he watches it, and the the title was "Hell Yeah, the Game," and he's watching it, and you you just see his face like he is smiling ear to ear because it's like, oh my gosh, what. Like, it's just like, I don't know if you've ever had these fantasies, but it's like, would it be cool if you just went back in time and, like, you're the most powerful man in the world just because you have modern technology? I remember. And it's just like, make a game out of that. Have fun, you know? I want to say, like, a decade ago, um, when I listened to podcasts, there was a Joe, uh, episode of the Joe Rogan Experience where him and, like, Duncan Trussell got stoned as fuck. And we're like, hey... Would you, if you got stuck back in time medieval, how would you do? And one of them's like, I would do really well because I just bring like an Uzi and like a bunch of guns and ammo, and I would just like, I'd be a king because like, what are they gonna do? And he's like, what are you, what are you gonna do when you run out of ammo? He's like, oh, by then I'll have already been a king. No, and they won't know how the guns work. I, it'll, it'll be great, you know. They're, they're just like, it's like the dumbest, drooling, stupid conversation two adults could have. But this, this game is literally that. Yeah. So it's just kind of like, okay, this is like dumb fun, you know? But then it gets to the very end and it shows like the guy time traveling back to like the future. And there's a big like weird like robot blimp thing and it opens and there's a bunch of like skulls falling out. And the streamer, like he he stops it and he starts talking about like, oh, it's like Squid Game where that's like, those are the skulls of all the people that he killed back in time. And this is like a commentary on the Bloodsport and... And it's like he immediately started like making all these assumptions about the lore and the the gravity of doing this. And it's like, dude, two seconds ago, you're just smiling because the guy had a shotgun and then he hit the knight with the butt of the shotgun. And now it's like, look, yeah, this says a lot about society, doesn't it? Like, shut up. That is it, this game is definitely not saying anything about society. No, uh, I, I would guess not. I. Uh, You know, if it comes out and it does, that's fine. But this trailer is not. I'm sorry. 
I hope I hope this was interesting uh for people to listen to cuz I don't I feel like sometimes I'm good at media literacy and can explain things and why I like things and go into like the analysis of stuff. I mean, I went to college and I did a lot of that. That was a long time ago now cuz I am old. Um but also like off the cuff stuff, I feel like words are hard and I can never tell like when my enthusiasm carries a conversation more than it should. If that makes sense. I don't know that anything makes sense anymore. Also, maybe that. It was good to watch a show and really like it, I think, is, is kind of my big... Like, the reason why I wanted to talk about it with just anybody is is because it's exciting, and it's been a while, and... Yeah, like, I just watched Gurren Lagann for, before this, and I really like that anime, and it's super fun, and it's kind of about stuff, and at the end, they kind of kill God or something. I don't know. Yeah, but, you know what? I think that's uh that might be one of the reasons why I wanted to share Lower Decks with you was just because it's like it feels like it's been a while since I saw like current media that I felt safe recommending to somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's kind of like, "Oh, this one didn't make me wince." It's a bit of that <laughs> and that, like cuz like I listen to a lot of music that I want to recommend to people, but that's obviously a much different experience than like a long form narrative um, with big character turns and, you know, deaths that make you really sad and moments that make you cry. And I do feel like I don't get a lot of that anymore. And, and some of that's my fault. I don't watch a lot of TV anymore. I don't like seek out a lot of media. Like I watched TV today, but it was MASH. Like when in doubt, watch MASH because I am spiritually like 60 some days. Yeah, I yeah. I wish I like there to were go shows. back to I Love Lucy. I like the Bear. That's a new show, the cooking one, where they 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 with uh, I don't remember the actor's name, but it won a bunch of awards, I think, last year. That's a good show. I really like that one. Like that, it's funny and high stakes, and there's really good character moments, but it's not really high stakes because they're just like you know, no one's gonna die in the Bear, but you, someone might get fired, and that would be upsetting. Here's a question for you real quick before we end up. I think there was a poll recently, and I'm going to butcher this because I'm going off of like third-hand memories here, but ultimately I, the, the, the consensus was a lot of people think that anime is a lot more like emotionally resonant than Western media. And I'm wondering what your take is on that. Uh, No. Because my, my gut reaction when I read that was like, these goddamn kids and their goddamn mangas and animes, don't, can't, they, can't they read some real books? And then I sat back and I thought, and I was like, you know, mo most of the things that I consume as far as storytelling goes will not make me cry at all and maybe even not even feel that much. I, anime gets me to cry a lot. And I, and I actually do think the melodrama of anime and just the way... The storytelling is handled where it's going really hard on these emotional highs. And if it misses them, really it's horrible. But when it hits them, it's like this astounding feeling. And I kind of I kind of don't I kind of agree with it. Like when anime hits, I think it is more emotionally resonant than a lot of stuff. Um, I've consumed that would be, you know, considered Western media. Well, I guess it depends on how you're phrasing 
anime. Are you taking the average of anime or are you taking the best of anime? The best of anime. The best of anime versus the best of Western cartoons or Western media? I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of caveats to this count. You know, like, it, it wasn't like a well-worded I, thing, right? Not, yeah, I mean, and I don't, I don't mean to nitpick your response, but what I mean is like when you, the, the question that you gave me, my gut response was to say no. Right. Because when when you say anime, the first thing that came to mind was, uh, what what's that one going around right now? Uh, th- like there's there's one that people like, uh, Delicious in Dungeon. Oh yeah. Oh god. If Emily's listening to this, she's Where- gonna maybe start seething. Yeah, I I said that on purpose because I listened to the show. Hi, Emily. <laughs> but no. So there's like that one that people like. And then next to it on the manga shelf, there's also uh, uh, I died and was reincarnated as a refrigerator and I died and was reincarnated as a vending machine and I died and was reincarnated as my girlfriend's shoes and I died and I was reincarnated as a Game Boy controller. Yeah, and I, I'm like, I'm taking the average where there's a lot of uh, not just the manga, but there's like anime where it, it is localized very hurriedly and animated very cheaply and it's like just get the stuff on country roll right away and there are gems but you have to sift through stuff and a lot of the stuff yeah. is just like super generic soulless noise and so when people say i love anime i'm sure that they're referring to something that they like but then if you go to crunchy roll and subscribe and pick one at random you're gonna go oh you like this yeah no that's true delicious and dungeon what it's kind of funny. I mean, you know, the idea of like what kind of media makes you cry is its own kind. Con- I think we've probably had that conversation. Um, I, I, so I, uh, I'm trying to think about when I cry because I'm a, I'm an emotional baby that cries a lot, right? Yeah. I think I'm, I'm mostly film. I can't, I, I can't really think of like TV so- shows. I don't think of like, I, I, like, I can't picture an anime. I'm. I feel like there was something, but I can't remember what it was. Uh, but movies will get to me. There's a lot of movies that touch me. Okay. Uh, but mostly I want to put them in kind of Pixar tier. Yeah, I was gonna say Pixar movies. Uh, Coco still gets me. Yeah. Uh, at the time, Wally did. Uh, uh, Toy Story three tugged at me a bit. I don't think I actually cried on that one though. Uh, when I I also though think about games, and like Final Fantasy made me cry a lot. Really? And yeah, I don't uh, know the story enough. That that's just surprising because I I don't know if I've ever had anybody like fully sit down and explain like the intricacies of a Final Fantasy narrative where I would think, oh, that must be a very emotionally moving. I just kind of know them as the RPGs that. Are never final. Yeah. Um. Do, do you know the story of why it's called that? Um. I probably have heard it once and then forgot. So no. Uh. They. They. They thought it. They want to abbreviate it in the two letters, so it should be like. It would be fun if the two letters were both F because it's fun to say FF in English and in Japanese it's fun to say FF. And so it's like, well, that would be a good alliteration. So we should pick two words that say FF. Okay. So they settled on final fight. 
and then that was taken. So it was like uh, Final Fantasy, and they went with that. Hell yeah, I love that. I love that a lot. So um, Final Fantasy Four is an emotional ride, but it's also like a goofy little game with little sprite characters. Mm-hmm. So it's borderline just reading a book and not necessarily a, like a movie. <laughs> but like there, there's a lot of opportunity for uh, characters that along the way that, you know, maybe don't make it. And it felt at the time it was surprising. Like it caught me off guard because you know how JRPGs are. It's like you form a party. You don't expect half your party to die by the end of the game. Right. Um, Especially when like, some of them are like kind of like <laughs> what like there's uh there's a couple like there's this one guy where he's kind of like a bard and he's this like princely kind of character and he's he's not really a brave adventurer but the the you know his his bride to be was kidnapped and so you have to rescue her and so he joins your party and it's like okay let's go do the side quest where we save her um because it's on our way to the bigger goal right and then yada yada yada, um, uh, she dies in his arms, and he's so depressed that he can't go on anymore, and kind of leaves your party, and so you just leave without him, and you're like, oh, and <laughs> and like stuff like that happens in that game, and it's like interesting, uh, but really, uh, Final Fantasy XIV was really good. That that touches me a lot. I've talked about it plenty on this show. But that was also written by the US team. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so apparently in Japan, the players have a higher tendency to skip all the quest text. And so they said to the like the translating team like, "Hey, we're going to give you like the plot, but why don't you guys like write all the dialogue and stuff and then like you can translate the dialogue back to Japanese." So it's it's actually like English focused. That's interesting. That's cool. I I never would have thought that. Yeah. How long is Final Fantasy um, it's, 14? It, it, I think it also helps though because um part of it too is that it it takes place in like fantasy Europe. Like it you don't run around as samurai. It's a it, it's supposed to be like, you know, kings and and knights of the the round table kind of a like that's the selling point in Japan's perspective of like the far off England advan- adventure. They should speak English the the same sure. way. Like you know, that's why Dark Souls lore is so shitty and vague. Oh, is that is that why? Yeah, the the reason that all the lore in those games is like, yeah, you'll just see something and it has this like cool title. Like you walk into boss room, and it's just like this like kingly figure that has three arms. And he'll stand, and he's like twenty feet tall, and he has a a mace that's shaped like a horse. And then you kill him, and he'll he'll drop a ring with a a tree on it, and the tree is made out of a diamond. And then you you click on the the diamond ring, and the description says it once belonged to Lithania before the time of the 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 waking ember, and you just don't know what any of that means. It's because the guy that made these games, uh, growing up, he used to read uh, European history books about like the Middle Ages, and he found it all super fascinating, but his English was so bad that he, he could only understand half the words. So there was like a romance to like, wow, and then King George, and something something happened, and there was a round table. 
wow, and this there was a round table, and it was important. Uh, by context, I assume. And there were knights, and that was what he took away from the history book. I love that, because it shows, like, the just the weird stuff that can inspire us, and maybe not be yeah. for the reasons that the that's the intent. Um, that that is a that is also, a charming story. That and then also like the reason that the uh, the co op works the way it does. I think you've heard that story, right? I just assume someone was drunk and did a shit job because the co op in those games uh, <laughs> is really frustrating to get working. So you you have to like put down a summon sign or something. And then, like a spirit of another player will like temporarily enter your realm, and it's like you don't you don't party up and go on an adventure. It's like I need help fighting this boss, and so then like a ghost of a knight will show up, and you can fight the boss together, and then they'll just like wisp away when you're not looking. Yep. This happened because the guy was driving home one day, and it was like a blizzard, and he got a flat tire, and so while he was trying to to fix it, and he didn't know what to do. Someone pulled over the car, and these two guys got out without saying a word, helped them fix his car, and we turned around to thank him. They drove off. Wow. That would kind of freak me out. It, and and But that's the thing. It's like, it's half guardian angel and half ominous. It's like, what was that vague spirit that helped me? Yeah. Why did he have a full suit of armor, except I could also see his white underwear? What's funny is when that happened to my family, we were driving home from Rockfest. I've told this story, I think. We got a flat. We pulled in and we're like, okay, how do we fix this? What do we do? And some dude who is like coming off his second shift job is like, oh, I'll help you do that. But he, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't do it. He walked us through it because he didn't want to be held liable if he fucked the car up. And so he wouldn't actually touch <laughs> I anything. I know exactly what you mean. And it's like, you know, bro, don't blame you. Don't blame you. You don't know us and... But it was. It still felt like that was like such a nice random act of kindness from someone. Like I, I think about that every once in a while. Just like how how cool that guy was to you know save us probably an hour because it was like two in the morning, and he's just like, oh yeah, get my get my Mountain Dew, get my coffee, just coming off of work. Ah, uh, I have a shitty car. You want me to help you with the flat tire? And it's like, please God help us. Yes. Okay, <laughs> can't, can't touch it. This is what you need to do. I, I got sidetracked. My my question, no, my answer to your question is that I think emotions are complicated. And so if I measure things that have made me cry, I want to say Western. Okay. But also if I want to think about other things, uh, I got to say like, you know, knowing the backstory of Dark Souls encounters and game mechanics being tied to like real life things almost makes it all oddly deeper. Yeah. And it's just like, I, I think that's that's what frustrates me about, you know, going back to the like weird Starship Troopers discourse on Twitter, where it's like, does anyone here actually enjoy anything? Like, why do you guys argue so much? Because everyone here seems to hate everything. So what are you even defending? It's like, you don't even like the things you're defending. See, that shit will get you uninvited from book club. That's a deep cut. That is a, a bit of a deep cut. I'm not haunted Chad, by that. Do you have a glass face? Oh, yeah. I, you know what? Actually, right. What made me glad today or this week, but mostly today, I've been, I haven't had time or the energy or the ability to do any recording for the music I'm working on in a while. Uh, between construction on the house, which is done, 
uh, work trip, lots of stress uh, because of work stuff. And then today I got home and I was like energetic and I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to work on the second verse of this song and, and record that. And it's been like a week and a half and I, it felt really good to just like work on that thing. Cause I really want to get that done this month. And it's like, okay, it's progressing again. I feel good about it. Hell yeah. And I, it felt, yeah, that's it. I just, I was productive. How about you? No, I hate everything. I mean, what was my glad space last week? Did I already talk about Helldivers? Uh, you sent me the. I feel like you sent me the trailer, not last week. I kind of want to say Helldivers, but also like I haven't had time to actually sit down and play it. <laughs> yeah, you sent me the trailer on two twenty, so it wasn't last week. I've heard that the okay. uh, multiplayer is kind of like the servers are super overloaded or something, and it's very hard to get games to connect with people because yeah, so, it's just clogged. Man, it's yeah, it's funny. Um, there's too many people trying to access it at once, so you can't get in. Uh, but also this week, uh, the last epoch came out, which is in every measurable way better than Diablo Four. People have been very much looking forward to it. And so when people are trying to access it, they can't get in because it like crashed the servers. And what, like three weeks ago, Skull and Bones came out from Ubisoft and they're describing it as a quadruple A game. That's $70 plus microtransactions and a battle pass because it's worth it. Oh, yeah. And it has like, you know, 500 players on Steam right now. And it's like, yeah, I, I don't think there's a demand for that kind of stuff. I, I think people want fun things. And I'm looking at these fun games coming out, and like, yeah, like Helldivers looks fun, yeah, yay. Helldivers does look fun. Huh. I hope that uh, shoot a robot. The uh, issues with the connections and and whatnot like resolve. Like, I feel like in like six months, if I feel like buying Helldivers, it'll it'll play way differently than it plays now, and all the things that people are grumbling about will be fixed. And good for me. Yeah, actually, you know, it's funny, uh, a friend of mine just texted me that he got in, so he, he thinks that maybe they fixed the server problems. Oh, that's good. So after the show, I might uh, try myself. Woohoo! Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Well, I guess with that, everybody have a, have a happy whatever day. Yeah, you guys if take you care. Yeah, if you don't have a margarita, just remember, that's okay. They're They're, they're a little sweet. You don't need to have a margarita. Mm-hmm. This is the best ending to a show we've ever done. It took us 301 tries, and we figured it out. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to stop recording now. <laughs> <laughs>